Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Okay, so my guest today is born the 17th of May 1994, which, believe it or not, was two years before I joined the police. That's how old I am, Tori. Uh, originally from Gore. Uh, <laughs> and just in case you think, hey, look, nobody famous comes from Gore, uh, there are lots of people, including Jenny Shipley and my old mate Mike Peru and Jimmy Cowan as well, studied in Dunedin. She's a member of the Hamilton City Hawks Athletic Club, javelin champ women's 16, women's 20, senior women's 2014, 2015, 2018, 2020, silver in 2017 and 2019. Her best throw is 62.04 metres at the Sydney Track Classic on the 22nd of the second, 2020, which, strangely enough, was New Zealand women's travel and record as well. Uh, when she gets to Tokyo, it's going to be her first <laughs> Olympic Games. Uh, she works at St. Peter's School in the Waikato. She's the coordinator of sporting excellence there. She has a diploma in sports massage. And more importantly, I love this, her best athletic quality isn't her like stamina or skill or anything else it's and I quote my competitiveness would be up there so it's a big welcome to Tori <laughs> Peters to the Cappuccino podcast uh before we get started uh how good is it to be competing again oh it's it's pretty awesome like to yeah. be honest when I came over to Australia um it was pretty surreal and I, I didn't want to jinx it you know I, I got on the plane I didn't message anyone didn't, didn't message my friends here in Australia um the other throwers until I was on the ground and through security because I just thought I don't want to jinx it I don't want to jinx it like yeah. I just wanted to get through yeah. and yeah so it was it was pre it's pretty cool to be back competing again like just after COVID and and everything and um especially back you know internationally um as well even though it is just across the ditch here yeah. um yeah it's, it's been awesome You've got your purpose back, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. that's exactly it. Yeah, uh, it 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 had been tough. Yeah, yeah. really tough. Uh, your coffee of choice is what? Oh, okay. So it depends. Um, usually in the morning, I'll have double shot flat white. Yeah. Um, and then if it's in the afternoon, and I just need a little pick me up before training, or just to get through, you know, the working day, it's usually um, usually a long macchiato. Beautiful. Okay, right. Now, yeah. we, do a, we do a speed round dedicated to speed, which I think, oh if I gosh. remember rightly, came out the same year that you were born, but it had a young actor in it called Keanu Reeves, who you probably know. Oh, yes. And yep. a woman driving the bus called Sandra Bullock. Anyway, best oh, police movie of all time. Also. Yeah. So <laughs> what I do is I ask you seven random questions, uh, and we've got to answer them as quickly as we can. So here we go. Number one oh, is, my gosh, okay. greatest Olympian of all time is who? Oh, my God. Oh, um, yeah. No Adams? Yep, there you go. That's all good. When I watch track and field, I don't watch what event? Long distance running. There you go. Um, what's a hidden talent that you've got? Can consume a lot of peanut butter. Yes. <laughs> so I've seen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the one exercise I hate is what? Oh, pro oh yikes. Uh Maybe calf raises. There you go. So, Debbie, if you're listening, just tune into that. <laughs> right. uh, if athletes had a theme song to enter the stadium, yours would be what? Eye of the Tiger. There you go. Good work. Yeah. Uh, and 
The last book that you read was what? It's called How Champions Think. There you go. That's probably quite appropriate. Uh, your <laughs> favourite sports movie of all time is what? Million Dollar Baby. Oh, there you go. Yep. Clint Eastwood. God bless him. Uh, yeah. The best thing about COVID for you is what? Being able to spend more time um, with my partner and his family. Carrying him on piggyback around the farm. I've seen those pictures. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's how they save money in that house. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the worst thing about COVID for you, I think I know the answer to this is what? Yeah, the Olympics being postponed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So let's get let's turn the clock back a little bit. First question: yeah. Why javelin? Because let's, um, let's yeah, it's it's yeah. I'm not going to say it's a random sport, but it's hardly one that people go. You know what? When I grow up, I'm going to be this. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and it's one of those things. Eh? Um, so when I was um, at primary school and, and intermediate and all those sort of things, I sort of played a lot of sports, and, and they were mostly team sports. And I love playing team sports, and I'm super competitive. Um, but it came to about year ten at um, high school there, where we did uh, athletics and PE, and we're practicing and that sort of thing. And that's the age that you're allowed to start throwing the javelin uh, for safety reasons and things. So. Um, I'd actually seen my sister do it who's a couple of years older than me and I thought and you know she was pretty good and I thought oh that looks like a bit of fun you know and when it came to being allowed to do it in PE I thought oh we'll give this a crack and um, managed to actually just throw it pretty pretty far naturally and, and just throw it like a ball really I guess and and it went pretty far and so I just sort of carried on dabbling in, in javelin um, throughout the summertime. I uh, still, still played a lot of the winter sports and um, all those team sports but slowly started to grow to really enjoy the challenge that javelin um presented it's so technical um you need to be quite athletic quite strong really powerful and it I, I guess it encompassed a lot of things that um really you drive me as an athlete um i'm a very independent person as well so um i love i loved that javelin was an individual sport where if you didn't win or you didn't throw well um and that sort of thing it was on you so um whereas you know if you're not playing quite that well in, in your team sports the, the rest of the team can pick up your slack and so and, i mean and that's great as well and and um you know I, I still love playing team sports but i i just love that that side of um individual sport where you know you put in the hard work and, and you reap the rewards and yeah and if, if things don't quite go your way then that, that's on you and so you've got to really own that so i think that that's the side of it that i really like as well and it's not light, is it? Because it's 600 grams, the javelin that you're throwing. So it's well over a block of butter that you're throwing half a rugby field <laughs> and then some. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, if you're going to put it like that, yes. Yeah. And great comparison because I love butter. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's all good. Right. Can you remember your parents' first reaction? Because you and your um, big sister are, are sport billies, so to speak. Um, can you yeah. remember your parents' first reaction when you told them, hey, I'm going to do the javelin? Because... For most parents, that's got to be a bit of a nightmare, hasn't it? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I actually, I can't really re recall the conversation. It was more so that, like, I just, with, with my parents and, and, you know, people who know me, I'm, I'm quite stubborn and um, often it's just that I'll just tell them how it is. There's, <laughs> there's no, you know, oh, asking, it, it's I'm doing this. And, and so it's it was kind of Tory's way or the highway. So they sort of just know that if I come and hop with something that I'm going to do, they just sort of let me do it and, yeah. Cool. They'll, they'll let me go so yeah it's quite funny 
there's a mental note for Tori's partner in there, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> now, your family's pretty good at sports. Stacey Peters, your biggest sister, uh, an under-21 New Zealand team rep. Uh, she's played for the Southern Steel. She played for the Celtic Dragons. Which side of the family does it come from, Tori, in your family? Well, I, I think it's actually a combination of both because Dad was, Dad was quite a good sportsman as well and he um, he played soccer and rugby growing up and that sort of thing. And, and Mum actually um, was, you know, played netball. She was actually a pretty good shot putter and um, and a very good rifle shooter, would you believe it? Um, mm, okay. So a, a, a strange combination of sports there, yeah, but yeah. Um, I feel like they all sort of contribute to, to the skills that all three of us kids have and, um, and, and then obviously that competitiveness that we all have too. So, I mean, can you imagine growing up with um, three kids that are all that competitive and the age gap between us is two years to my sister and then one year younger for my brother. So yeah. the three of us were, were pretty competitive and it, it could get quite out of hand at times. Yeah. Plenty of broken bones as kids or not? Oh, not, not too many, um, but a lot of tears, a lot of blood. So yeah. oh, that's, right. yeah. that's character building. Okay, who yeah. wins Who wins in an arm wrestle, you or Stacey? Oh well, actually, we had a recent we had a recent wrestle off at our hens do. Um, this was not too long ago, actually, as well. So, um, you know, um, Stacey quite likes to think she's still got a lot of strength from when she played netball, but unfortunately, not quite as much as I think she thinks that she right, has. Yeah. So, yeah. um, you took the cake on that one, but Man. you know, she put up a hell hell of a fight. So I'll give yeah. her that. Yeah. No, I see. That's all right, and that's what happens when you get old. So I've heard apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the older you get, the better you wear, so that's all good. Yeah. Um, now you you played lots of sports competitively when you were at school and university. University yep. um, netball, obviously, being the big one, and you actually had to make a decision between netball and javelin, didn't you? On which way? Yeah. You were so. Go. Yeah, yeah. So um, played senior A netball all the way through high school, and um, when I left and went to uni, I carried on playing um, prem club stuff in Dunedin and. And went on to play in the NPC level sort of netball there that they had, which I think now would be the equivalent of, of the Beko League. So um, I carried on playing for a bit and, and carried on throwing javelins as well, but got to the stage where, you know, um, a few too many rolled ankles wasn't too good for the old javelin training as well. Yeah. So um, I sort of made a made a bit of a promise to my coach. Um, I said, oh, look, um, you know, I've had a few rolled ankles. If, you know, if, if I make the World University Games team for, for athletics, I'll, I'll bin the netball and, and focus on the javelin. And at the time, I didn't think that would happen, that I would be quitting netball so soon. And sure enough, it, it was only a few months later that I actually ended up qualifying for World Uni Games. And, and I'd had a couple of pretty reasonable throws um, as well. So it kind of gave me that hope that actually, you know, I actually can be, you know, up there with one of the best in the world and be competitive on the world stage. So I think for me, that that was sort of, um, that turning point as well of where I decided, yeah, okay, it's time to pursue javelin and, and give it a really good crack. Nice. Okay, so what's a day look like for you? Because I've seen your Insta uh, account, and how often do you go? How often do you actually get a day off? Because I've seen some of the freaky gym chicks that you do. That if I did, I would put myself permanently into traction forever in a day. Um, yeah. So when, how often do you actually get a day off from training, like no training, nothing? Um, well, I mean, like we have we have a rest day um, usually scheduled on a Sunday, but um, it's usually called R&R, which is not rest and relaxation all the time. It's actually rest and recruit. So, um, um, yeah, so I guess it would be the day, like during competition season would be mainly when I actually get full days off. Um, whereas I think, 
yeah, dur- during, you know, our winter preparations and, and things like that. Um, for me, I always like to be doing something, you know, so um, whether that rest is, is going for a walk or, or a bike ride with my partner or, or something like that, we always like to do something active. So, um, yeah, those full rest days where it's literally put the pins up, chuck Netflix on, that sort of thing. It's a very rare occasion. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say. All right. Now, you, often you talk about Tory time on your Instagram, and I'm not going to ask too much about what Tory time is, because if you go and follow you on Instagram, you kind of get an idea of what it is. What's your yeah. guilty pleasure, though, when there's nobody else around, there's no athletics to be training for, and you think, you know what, I've got two hours here to myself, what are you going to do? Um, I would, well, when I'm away, so when I'm away over here, I'll go and scope out a really nice cafe with heaps of yummy food, good coffee, and I'll just park up there on my own, Nigel, no mates, nice. and I'll just yeah. sit there and, um, and, and enjoy some nice food and coffee. But if I'm at home, usually I'll, I'll try and gap it out, out to the beach or something out to Raglan. Um, it's only 45 minutes out to Raglan. And so it's, it's pretty quick to get out there and, um, just to sort of like be on my own, be, um, by the water. I love being at the beach and I love being with, in the sea and, and things like that. So, um, that would probably be something that, um, I would like is pretty high on my list to go and do if I've, if I've got that time. Yeah. Okay. Now COVID-19, <laughs> that thing we all love to hate, <laughs> yeah. it's called massive, <laughs> massive interruptions to everybody's schedule. And obviously it caused huge drama to yours because you had just thrown that 62.04 meters. Yeah. Uh, boom. We're on the plane to Tokyo. Hang on. Tokyo's not going on. Um, apart from the obvious thing on like the Olympics isn't happening this year. How much of a spanner did that put into because um, I know with athletes, you, you peak and then you drop off and then you peak again. And yeah. So how much of a spanner did that put into your work with your peaking, your training and everything else? Yeah, I guess like that was a really difficult space. I guess um, for me, having thrown that 62 metres, that, that 60 metre mark is such a huge, huge um, achievement when it comes to javelin throwing. I guess it's one of those milestone achievements, right, where um, – it literally opens the door to then being on the world stage and competitive with the girls um, mm-hmm. in Europe and all over the rest of the world. So for me, that 62, after I'd thrown that and, you know, I sort of, I had these really good feelings on the javelin that I could remember and I could um, replicate, which was the first time I'd actually been able to do that and have those feelings. And they were so vivid. Um, and it, it's something that doesn't come along often. And it's really interesting the way I explain that, that to my coach and, and my trainer and things is, that every like I just pick up the javelin I could just feel straight away like through the grip and like just could had this feeling that I just knew it was gonna gonna go and and it was just this feeling of just I think um absolute belief um in in your training and trust in your body and, and everything that you can throw this thing far and so having all of that I was really confident that you know I'd be able to um, put out some more distances that 60 plus sort of thing and so um, I was hoping to get over to you know the the pre-Olympic meet and, and a few meets in Japan and I had invitations to go to these and these were the first of you know these are the stepping stones for me to, to open the door to the international stage and and compete on the world stage with these girls and so for me, it was it was really hard to hear that everything was being shut up shop because the door opened for me when I threw 62 metres and it shut just like that. And yeah. so that was 
really, really devastating. And, and I think like for me as well, because it was such a period of unknown, um, you know, I, I sort of thought, oh God, when am I even going to get the chance to, to try and throw 60 plus meters again, you know? And so it, yeah, it sort of was one of those things that just knocked my, it really knocked my belief, I think as well, that mm-hmm. would I be able to, after this much time off and not being able to compete, would I be able to feel those feelings again on the javelin? Um, and get back to the like the good place that I was in and so um, yeah I guess when we went into lockdown um, my team and I we sort of just decided okay no one's going to be able to throw we don't know if the Olympics is going ahead so let's put in a solid work of um, strength stuff and because I had a pretty good gym set up mm-hmm. um, and yeah. and let's have a bit of time away from the javelin because you know you've had this season um, I've, I, I wouldn't be able to throw with anyone to really watch me um, with technical stuff and we, we didn't want to learn some bad habits so we just sort of put the jabs away for a little bit and, and just focus on that strength block and, and um, yeah had, had an absolute blast doing that and um, had Cam as my training partner as well so that nice. was pretty cool so yeah. yeah I think we got some real benefits out of out of it in the end um, and yeah my strength improved hugely and we came out of, I came out of lockdown in, in pretty good shape so um yeah and then it's obviously just a shame that the way the rest of the year panned out really yeah how did you mentally how did you pick yourself up from it because you've you've thrown the best throw you've ever thrown in your life the you're like who let's book the pla- the tickets to tokyo pretty much and all around yeah. europe as well and then it all goes crashing down but physically no dramas because you're an athlete that's what you do you pick yourself up you, yeah we all know there's days when you don't want to be in the gym you'd much rather be scoffing the muffin mix at home Right. Um, but yeah. Um, but mentally, how did you pick yourself up? Um, for me, it was just going back to. So I have a training diary that I, you know, track all my trainings and write down all these little things after competitions and trainings and things like that. And for me, it was just going back to um, to look at those good feelings and all those sort of good good things that I'd written down about when I was throwing well and when I was training well and all those sorts of things and. And, and just those those self-belief like little notes that I'd write down and, and things like that so I think it was those things that like writing all that stuff down um was really helpful it really reminded me of why I do it and I, I think that's a really important thing that sometimes we can lose sight of is um, what our why is when we're you know when we are competing because it's very easy um to sort of just day in day out go to training and, and just do it but I think you need to always remember why are you doing this, you know? And so like, I just constantly remind myself, why am I doing this? Cause I want to be at the Olympics. I want to one day have the world record and be the best thrower, you know, in the world. And so that was sort of something that, that always kept me mentally in check. And I also sort of was, it was one of those situations where I think because I knew I had, um, a good setup through lockdown and, and, you know, I had things available to me. I sort of kept thinking like, Oh, I can get one up over everyone here, you know? And mm-hmm. cause you know, like some people were very unfortunate and, and didn't have, you know, things to be able to keep training. And so I was quite lucky in that respect where I had a full gym set up, you know, and had, uh, you know, I was based on a farm for my lockdown. So it was, it was pretty good going. And, and so I c- kind of saw that as an opportunity really to, to try and, yeah, like get one up. So, um, that also helped to drive drive that mental sort of um, state of mind of yeah I want to do this and and keep going and you can do this yeah yeah because when I first contacted you about the podcast and then 
I think it was after you throw and the lockdown happened and then everything got higgledy-piggledy. When I actually saw you yeah. training in the barn and everything else, yeah, again, yeah. You're, prob- you're probably too young to know, but I was like, I actually turned to my brother and I went, hey, there's this javelin thrower in Manamata. She's gone rock. She's gone Rocky Four on it. And he said, what do you mean? I said, she's going in the barn and she's doing all that. He's like, yeah. that's awesome. Great stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're really big on um, reflection and journal entries and that type of stuff, aren't you? Because yeah. you see that entering your Instagram quite a bit. If I said to you, and, and I know that everybody's got different ones, but what's your yeah. favorite quote or your favorite sort of motivational quote that gets you going? Um, and I know that they it would change. Be, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would be that, um, you know, like I've got, I've got a couple, but the, the two that sort of resonate with me is, is um, you know, patience and persistence is key. So, you know, not to rush. And I think that's really particularly relevant for me as a javelin thrower because, you know, we don't peak till we're, we're quite a bit older. So um, for me, I'm 26, it's sort of early days for me in my career. So to know that, you know, throwing really far right now, yeah, it would be awesome. But knowing that actually, you know, you've got a few more years till you'll be coming into your peak. So, so that's okay. So it's okay, you know, to be patient and just remind myself to be patient um, when, when things maybe aren't going so well and, or maybe I want something sort of, you know, right then and there. So yeah. that one there, but also um, to not worry about others, what others think. Um, it's about what you believe you can achieve. So um, it's quite funny. I think the whole self-belief thing has been something that um, I've tried to call upon a lot more because I sort of reflected back on those big throws of mine and, and reflected back to how I was feeling. And like I said, I picked up a javelin and I just had the utmost belief in what I was doing. And it, you know, it gave me another five meters. Yeah. And so, you know, and I've always thought, you know, that self, self-confidence, that self-belief to, to actually be able to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, and trust, you know, that you're, you've done the work and that sort of thing. I think that's just so important. And, and I, I notice it hugely when, you know, maybe I've got a couple of little niggles and, you know, my, maybe I'm a little bit flat and training hasn't been that great. My confidence is a bit down, you know, and, and that self-belief isn't, isn't quite at that hundred and, and it shows, uh, you know, in my throwing. And, and that's why I just sort of think, you know, when you compare the two like that, that self-belief is, is huge. And, you can't get caught up in, in what people think and what they're saying and things like that. Cause at the end of the day, it's you that's out there on the track and, and it's just you and the javelin and um, yeah, you're the only one who can, can control how far it's going to go. So. Nice. Okay. I'm going to old head to a young head. Uh, go and have a look at Theodore Roosevelt's quote on the man in the arena. And you'll, you'll okay. like that. Okay. All right. Well, after you finish. Okay. okay. Right. I so will. Every cloud has a silver lining. So they say when lockdown yeah. helped New Zealand, did you, and I'm asking you this as an athlete, because I was just sitting there going, what the heck? How, how staggering it was that people were complaining that they couldn't exercise anymore because the gyms were closed. Did you see that? I know. Yeah, um, I know. And, yeah, and you turned that on its head. You were obviously, you were piggybacking your partner around the far, <laughs> you're throwing Swiss balls at a barn wall, that type of stuff. It really was <laughs> just a bit bizarre, I thought. So, um, so people have got some idea. How big is your yeah. support team? Yeah, so um, so I have my coach Debbie Strange. Um, so she's based here in Hamilton, um, and I have a strength and conditioning coach Angus Ross. Uh, he's also based in Cambridge. So uh, and then within high performance sport, we have providers as well. So yeah. I have a nutritionist, a psychologist, an athlete life advisor, 
and then obviously number one supporter cam as well so my partner uh and then yeah just my parents and my family and also his family so and, and and you know like i've got a pretty good support network of of other athletes at the advantage room that i train with as well so um, the RTB girls are, are, are pretty high up there in the support crew. So, nice. um, yeah, yeah. So a, a big support network, but in terms of sort of professional um, professionals in, in that in that space, it's it's more so, yeah, just your nutritionist, psychologist, those sorts of ones and S&C. So, yeah, yeah. It, it is quite an extended um, support team, but I think it's really important, you know, everyone plays their role and um, at, at times some are needed more than others. And so some take a bit of a, a, a step back and some come in a bit more and so it just sort of all works well well together really yeah, yeah like a um i won't mention any names but like an, an ex-olympian once said to me we're not playing tiddlywinks here constable brian so yeah no, <laughs> no we're not no, playing tiddlywinks no, no okay <laughs> so question for you because i've seen you on insta you normally train three throwing sessions per week and roughly mm-hmm. about four gym sessions a week so questions for you mm-hmm. number one is how do you get over your hump days the days you don't want to be in the gym, the days you don't want to be at the track, the days you're just like, let me go home, stick my head into a bowl of ice cream and just scoff it. How do you get over it? Do you know what? There's actually not a day that I wake up and I don't want to train. It's like I get up in the morning and I'm I'm like excited to train. I love it. It's, you know, like if I could be paid to do it, awesome. That's yeah. that's ultimately the goal, right? Yeah, um, of course it is. Yeah, and and yeah there's to be honest there's actually never been a day that I've gotten up and been like oh I don't want to go to training today yeah. um I I just love the challenge about everything our, all our gym sessions you know everything's always um always different you know with all our training so you know I think I think I'd be saying that if I was you know Emma Twig sitting in a boat for 21k on the water every day so um she would probably, <laughs> probably have a laugh that I've just said that but you know um yeah. Yeah, I think because there's such variety in our training, you know, every day presents something different and, and there's always a new challenge, you know, whether my coach is chucking in something um, or, or you know, my um, one of the girls in the gym, you know, has challenged me, you know, to one of the exercises. There's always an, an element that keeps you excited and keeps you interested and, and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I can't say that I've woken up and not wanted to train. Nice. So. That's a good thing. Okay. How do you recover from your heavy training days? Because, I mean, there's different athletes do yeah. different things. You've got everything from ice baths. I've seen that you've got some compression gear. You've got other athletes who are like, I go for a walk along the beach, I do surfing, I do yoga. What's your sort of key relaxer for you? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't get a heap of time um, for recovery no. just with, yeah. with having to go to work and that sort of thing. But I do love the compression um, the compression boots, the Normatec stuff. So I usually head to the physio um, room and, and do that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be more of that and, and cold water therapy. Uh, I respond really well to cold water therapy and really enjoy that as well. Just the, the element of um, controlling the breath and, and things like that as well. So that'd be my two sort of main um, forms of recovery. And, and then, you know, once a fortnight, I get a, a, a massage as well. So um, those are probably my main methods of recovery, really. Nice. Okay. So you've had a number of niggling injuries in your career. You've had stress fractures in your spine and a few others. Yeah. And you recently said part of the reason you think you're doing so well, and I quote, was that essentially there was a fear that you were gonna you were gonna hurt yourself. You just had to fully believe you were gonna be fine. How do you change your mindset from uh and this again is your words, a half-hearted belief to a 60 yeah. 62.04 throw? 
Because obviously um, at some stage you've got to go, I'm just going to break through the barrier or this is going to hurt and I'm just going to embrace the suck. How did you do it? Um, for me, it was a lot of imagery. So uh, a, a lot of imagery picturing myself on the runway, you know, standing there watching me on the runway, absolutely letting Rip on a throw and, and being in one piece. You know, and 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 I think as well when you get in a competition and you and you go down the runway, you let it go, and and at the end of it, you're like, oh, that didn't hurt. You know, it gets to gives you that confidence, and so it's just consolidating that confidence. I think um, was a huge key for that self belief, and and also knowing that I'd done a lot of um, a lot of conditioning to to sort of handle that mm-hmm. level of throwing. Um, so I think I've like I you know you train in the gym and you and you get strong and that sort of thing, but the positions that we get our body into for javelin throwing, it's not the norm, right? So no. something's, something's yeah. got to give. Yeah. And so part of being a javelin thrower, I think, is that you've got to actually just accept that you're always going to have a little niggle, but it's whether or not that little niggle actually, you know, it's just a niggle or it's going to turn into something greater. And so it's, I think the thing is, you know, like listening to your body is um, really important, not letting things escalate to get out of control. But those niggles actually sometimes they're a sign I find that something's a little bit weak somewhere and so that's where it's really awesome we come in like with my support team and um you know we'll chat about what it is that's a little bit niggly and and then we can identify weak spots and and then we do a bit of extra work around that to to sort of build this robust body and I think it's we we found a few you know key weak points and and a few things that we needed to implement now into my training to sort of maintain I guess and keep things ticking over so that I can throw pain free and 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 which obviously then contributes to that belief at the at the end of the rondo when you let that javelin go that you're in one piece and you're not going to hurt yeah now they often say that diet is um like getting a an athletic body is 80 percent diet and 20 percent exercise and everything else right so how much do you think of the head game plays part in your performance if you're going to measure it up as a percentage Oh, huge. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's huge. Like obviously Javelin's a very technical sport and yeah. the technical side of things, if you don't, you know, if you don't um, get something right, it could be five to eight meters, you know, it's yeah. pretty, pretty big distance. But I think that belief is, is worth a good, yeah, five meters in itself, like I said, but yeah, the mental, I think the mental side in, in every sport is, is a lot more than what people give it credit for. Yeah. So I know it's hard to put a percentage on it. It's probably going to be different for each sports, but um, I think it's it's the two of them go pretty hand in hand. I think um, mental sort of state and and physical state. So yeah, for All me, good. it's something that I think I definitely it's an area of development for me still, yeah. um, and it's still something that I think I can enhance a lot more to to improve my performance. So. Yeah. Um, that's definitely an area that um, I want to keep developing as an athlete. That's all good. Okay, right. So that said, and I know that you've all got it because I spoke to Dame Val about this when I did a podcast with her. <laughs> when you have a crap throw, what's your reset yep. reset process to get yourself back on track? What do you do? I bin it straight away. Bin it like yeah. it's just, you know, like I've seen, like often it's just you see the flight of it and it will just be tail down, pushing against the wind, and I'm just like, oh, yuck. Yeah. So I just walk back to the fence. I'll often have a chat with Deb um, and we'll just talk about, yep, like that that was awful. Like this tail was down, blah, blah, blah. Yep, sweet. It's been like, 
we just move straight on, like move on. You can't yeah. take, you know, you can't afford to dwell on it. You've only got six throws in the competition. Um, yeah. And if, if, if it takes you to throw four to get over throw one, geez, the competition's over, you know? Yeah, yeah, not wrong. Now, I'm a martial artist <laughs> and I love ice hockey as well. And you can yeah. always, I think you can always tell when you've got the sweet spot in sports because it's effortless. Yeah. And I think with javelin throwers, you can tell because you guys know the second the jab's gone out of your hand, because you can see a big smile come up on your face. It's almost yeah. like nailed it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you tell when you've let go of the jab that it's going to be a good yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's yeah. like you say, it's absolutely effortless. Yeah. At the end of it, you think, oh, I wish I'd tried harder. But that's not, you know, the, and that's just a natural train of thought, right? But yeah. the harder you try and javelin, the worse it ends up being. Yeah. Um, you want to be as relaxed as possible. But yeah, I like I had a um in my PB throw, you know, I let it go and I just saw I, I let it go and sort of my head dropped down, but I looked up, I tried to look up really quickly and I looked up and I saw the flight on it and I just knew straight away. Like it yeah. you know, it's just one of those things. You see the flight and and yeah, it's away. So it's a pretty cool feeling to be honest. That's all good. Right. Now you're in Australia at the moment, well Sydney at the moment, competing. Yeah. Did you have to self-isolate before you went in? No, I didn't, but I actually got caught out. Um, so I, I came into Brisbane and competed there, um, and then they had a little outbreak, you see, and then I yeah. had to get back to Canberra to carry on training and preparing for another competition. But when we got back to Canberra, we actually had to go and get a COVID test. So we stood in line for two hours and hmm. at this medical centre and out, out in the cold, you know, at 9 o'clock at night. And um, we got our COVID test, and then so we thought, okay, sweet, we'll wait for that to come back negative, and the next day we'll be able to sort of go back and, tra- and train in the facilities and things and be all good to go. But no, um, we actually had to self-isolate for three days. So um, luckily I was hosted by Kelsey um, Barber and yeah. her coach and husband, Mike, and, yeah. um, you know, her being a previous world champion, um, world, yeah, world champ from 2019, sorry, she... Um, just sort of snaps her fingers and yeah, she, she'll get equipment dropped off and things like that. So that was yeah. great. It was like a little mini lockdown 2.0, um, but with a different crew, you see. So it was, it was good fun. And we actually still managed to get a bit of training done, but it was actually probably quite nice just to um, have a little bit more like lower intensity training. So um, that was the closest thing to sort of a, an isolation I've had to do. And, um, but in saying that, when I made the decision to come over here to compete, um, the only reason I came over is because I actually got a spot, an MIQ spot. And for those of you, um, you know, listening um, who who have tried to get an MIQ spot, will appreciate how hard it is. And so, yeah. I actually, um, I had, I think it was about for three or four days, I was scrolling this page, refreshing it, you know, and for hours I would do it. And I even gave my login to friends, work colleagues. Because I sort of thought, they were like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. Why are you refreshing this page? You, you know, and I said, oh, well, I'm trying to get a MIQ spot so I can go to Australia and then, you know, then I can come home. And so the day that we that I finally got an MIQ spot, it was it was like like I'd won the lotto. It was awesome. And so it was just, you know, we all all were celebrating and then I quickly message everyone and tell them, get off my login. I've already got something. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't want to lose it. Get off. Yeah. And so um. And then while I was over here in Aussie, you know, we we're talking about the bubble and that sort of thing. And we we're obviously aware of the announcement that was going to be being made. And I was just praying that it was going to be before, you know, that date of the 20th of April. And sure enough, it was the 19th. And oh, it was like Christmas had come all at once, you know, and I was just so wrecked. So, yeah, because um, I, to be honest, two weeks in a hotel room is not not appealing to anyone, let alone an no. athlete. You know, I think I would have got a hell of a 
um, cabin fever there. Have you got an emergency plan just in case something does happen? Because let's face it, if you are in a hotel room, for instance, and God forbid we get a, a breakout again, have you got an yeah. emergency plan where you can basically go, right, I'm in this hotel room for the next 14 days. I'm doing like a thousand burpees a day or something else. Like, up your sleeve or not? Um, not so much an emergency plan. I think like we had a plan um, yeah. in terms of getting some equipment into the into the hotel room and things like that, and a and a little like sort of makeshift program um, for me to keep going with. Um, but I'm hoping that you know, like I fly out tomorrow, so um, I'm hoping that nothing goes wrong in the next you know twelve to sixteen or twelve to eighteen hours, yeah. and um, hopefully I'll be on that plane and walking through the doors at Auckland Airport and straight back to my house. So Boom. there you go, love it. Fingers okay. crossed. Right now, like you said, you've been lucky enough to spend some time with uh, Mike Barber and Kelsey Lee Barber, um, who yeah. now Mike's the Australian javelin coach. Is he still the Australian javelin coach? Yeah, he so he he coaches just Kelsey and yeah. another group of and like a couple of other throwers in their squad as well. Yeah. Yeah. What is it about? Because um, you said the throwing community is so cool because nobody's got anything to hide, right? And you guys yeah. all help one another, from what I've yeah. seen on the internet. What do you think yeah. that is? Do you think it's because you are not really worried about competing against one another. You're actually c- competing against a distance. Do you think that's why you help yeah. one another? Do you know what? I think that is that is an element to it for sure. Um, I think a big part of it is that all of us are different. So javelin throwing is one of those things you could look at all the girls and everyone is a different shape, size, height, you know, and it's just, and, and everyone has different strengths. You know, everyone, some people might be really twitchy, might have um, a bit more elasticity. Um, some might be just brute strength stronger. And yet everyone can throw big. So it's it's sort of like you have to find what ticks for you. And so it's finding that what ticks for you because what works for Kelsey doesn't necessarily work for me. No. And so, you know, and yet she's world champion. So it's like, okay, well, how can you know, how can we get Tori to, to throw as far as Kelsey, but yet you're two very different people. So the, I think the, the fact that we are all so different and, and everyone has their different strengths and, and obviously people have got to work to, you know, previous injuries that they've had. And so they're a bit limited with some things as well. Um, I think that's what sort of makes it such an open, open book. And, and it's so awesome. You know, like I've had a lot of um, help from, from the Aussie girls and they've been so inviting to, um, for me and um, you know you sort of you, you expose yourself to their training and you know they give you I guess a few bits and pieces of how they think about the technical model and and a few of their cues and things and sometimes you know you think oh gosh that's that doesn't really sit right in my head like that's not going to work yeah and then so so it's sort of like finding what works for you um, so that I think that's why you know so it's not one size fits all like there's no exact way of throwing a javelin everyone throws it differently and so I think that's why you know we all work together so much and it's such a cool thing you know like I think it's a very rare thing to see in sport right because you know you always just want to be one over your competitor you want to be one up you want to be beating them at at everything but and 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 if that means hiding your secrets then yeah okay you hide your secrets but but here it's just uh, like in the javelin and throwing community it's just you know everyone wants everyone to be better and it's just such a cool environment to be in and I think it actually helps really get the best out of you as well, you know? Yeah, because so. that's the only thing I could think of when I was sitting there and I read that quote, I was like, what the? And then I thought, okay, yeah. step back and have a look at it. And it's like, 
okay, because you're all competing against the difference. And to be fair, it makes no difference what Tori Peters knows or does. If I can turn up and throw yeah. longer than she can, then I've got it one, haven't I? It's not like it's, yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. So exactly. Yeah. It's been eight or nine years serious training to get where you are today. What's been, yeah. well, and then some, what's, what's been the best bit of that? Um, I think it's the, the people that I've met along the way and the people that have helped me along the way. I think, um, you know, with, with athletics, it's taken me to a few different countries around the world that I probably would have never been to. Um, and, and, you know, they're often in a, in a team sort of environment as well. So you, you meet people from other countries and, and you meet people from within your team and, and that sort of thing as well. And, and, you know, even if I just go over to Aussie, you know, I, I meet Kelsey and Mike and they're all their team and, and then their training partners and things. And so the people that you meet are just awesome. And, and I think it's just ends up being this, you just ha almost have like this big family, you know, of, of people who have been or who are even still part of your journey. And it's, it's a really cool thing, you know, like even I think back to, you know, when I first started throwing javelins and, and my coach down and, and Gore Murray speed and he's, um, he coached my sister as well. And, he still does a little bit of stuff with some of the junior kids um, that come through schools, but you know, I still ring him when I do a good throw and, and you know, like, it, and it's cool. And he's always really interested still, you know, in what I'm doing. And, and whenever I go back home to Gore, I always try and make an effort to, you know, to see him and catch up with him and fill him in on it, on everything. And so it's, it's those sort of relationships and, and bonds that you build with people. Um, yeah. Who have all been part of your journey and helped you to get to where you are, I think is, is what's really cool about it all. Yeah, okay, cool. That's awesome. So what's the worst bit of it being? Oh gosh. Yeah, I know tricky um, one. Eh? Yeah, I think I think it would be sometimes I I I would love to just be able to this sounds weird, but like live a life. Like I feel like um Yeah, no, I know you I, know I, he, yeah. yeah, and and it's not that I'm not living my life, obviously like I am, but I feel like the athlete life is very different. You know, you, you put things on hold, like um, having a family of your own, like having kids and, and things like that, because you want to pursue uh, your sport first and foremost and, and, and achieve in that, in that realm first. And um, I think it's that side of things. You know, my partner and I really want to travel the world together and, and um, maybe live overseas and things like that. But it's it's one of those things that at the moment isn't really an option and I think it's those sorts of um those sorts of experiences that I've had to put on hold I would say and, and would have wanted to do sort of now if not maybe a couple of years ago um and all those sorts of things and um you know and but in saying that you know I have traveled um to quite a few places and that sort of thing but I guess it's more so that you know, when you travel with athletics, sometimes it's that you you see the inside of a hotel room, you see the track, and that's about it. Um, so uh, travel is not actually travel as most people know it. So right. it's quite a bit different. So that would be the one thing I think that, um, yeah, is probably not the greatest, yeah. All right. Okay, so provisionally named in the 15 Strong Athletics New Zealand Olympic squad that was named last week, I think. Um, yep. First of all, congratulations, because that's a huge achievement in itself. Well done, you. Yeah, right. Thank you. Um, when you get to Tokyo, uh, are you <laughs> are, are you like? Is there a part of you that's a little bit irked that you're not gonna you're not gonna hear good on your flossy coming from the stands from your your dad and your mum? Because the way I I've, I've read it, 
is that obviously Japan's out of bounds for everybody and it will just be the yep. athletes. I know that you'll know that mum and dad are watching on TV and doing everything else as well, but yeah. is there a little part of you that goes rats, they can't share in the moment? Yeah, I am pretty gutted that, you know, things are going to be quite different. Um, you know, whenever you, well, whenever I've dreamt of, you know, being at the Olympics and competing, obviously everyone dreams to have, you know, all their family and friends there cheering them on and, and you know, being in the middle of, of the arena with everyone sort of there. And um, I think it will be very strange not to have that. And it will be very strange, even just the games in general um, with all the rules, um, you know, not even being able to really embrace the environment that you're in, um, go and watch others compete, all that mm. sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it will be quite difficult. And, and I know that they'll be watching at home and, and, and that sort of thing. And they've, um, you know, they always support me from from afar anyway. Um, the one thing I'd hope is that, you know, the live stream actually shows some javelin because that seems to be an ongoing issue. Yeah, 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 <laughs> an ongoing does, yeah. issue that, yeah, that a lot of my friends and family are getting very sick of. <laughs> yeah, 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 I hear you. Yeah, it's like we've done the 100 metres, the 200 metres, uh, the 800 metres. Um, we've done the shot put for obvious reasons. Love you to death, Dame Valerie. Um, and <laughs> it's like, right, and now we're going to the synchronised swimming. No disrespect to the synchronized swimmers, but yeah. you can watch some of the other stuff as well. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you at all worried about the travel and the COVID implications or not? Not really. Like, I think that they'll have pretty pretty um, well set up protocols in place. And I think everything will be pretty well organized to ensure that, you know, things can't be picked up, I guess, throughout the travel side of things. Um but obviously there's just that little bit um, little bit of worry around, you know, that what if what if you do contract it? Because, you know, you spend all this all these years competing to get there. And, and imagine if you end up with COVID when you're there. I mean, yeah. geez, not only for you, but then for your fellow teammates, you know, who have maybe been in the vicinity that you've been in, you know, that's detrimental to them too. So it's just one of those things. And obviously with the vaccine coming out, that'll help prevent that. But um, you know, it's you know, there's going to be teams like a well, yeah, you just don't know if everyone's going to be vaccinated and, and that sort of thing. So it's just going to be a tricky space to sort of navigate around, I guess. Yeah, a bit. Right. So let's do some fun stuff now. And apologies <laughs> for my pronunciation on this. The e method of javelin throwing. Have you ever done it? Have you ever seen it? Never seen it. Never heard of it. Okay. So basically what it is, apparently in the 1950s, some guy actually yep. started throwing the javelin underarm, but circling three or four times before he threw it. Now you can imagine what the major problems oh, with yeah. this are because the javelin's going <laughs> off in any direction, but apparently that's quite good. So I'll give you the spelling. It's E-A, sorry, E-R-A-U-Z-Q-U-I-N. Go and have a look at it. It's a true thing. I just was in Unbelievable. I watch it later. <laughs> right. What the? Okay. How do you juggle your day with your job, obviously, being a javelin yep. champ? Do you diary at all or do you sit there and plan your routine every week or a month in advance? Because you must have a fairly tight schedule. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty cram packed, but I have um, a weekly diary and just anything that everything that sort of pops up um, appointment wise goes in. But first and foremost, the day evolves around training. So um, training training first and then in goes work, in goes um, you know, physio, massage, all the treatment side of things. And then unfortunately the social life goes in last. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and it sort of just slots in where need be. 
but I'm pretty lucky that some sometimes you know at training um particularly in the gym you know with the RTB girls and um all the other athletes there sometimes that can be quite a good social social outing I guess being in there there's a bit of banter that gets thrown around and sometimes come out of there having had a good laugh so um it's actually really good sometimes you get a bit of a mix in there as well but usually yeah usually I'm a diet yeah I'm a diary and handwritten can't I I'll put things in my phone but it's only if I'm caught really off guard and I and I've sort of panicked but I'm a I'm a paper pen sort of gal yeah so I gathered I'm the same so that's all good right now there is lots of angles release that you can tell I've done my research here angles (laughs) releases stretch reflexes block legs even a Torricelli equation to understand when javelin techniques how much scientific attention do you pay to your technique like do you have people analyzing your throw and saying Tori it needs to be another four degrees higher you need to the release needs to be this this and this yeah so um as part of my support team I actually also have a biomechanist so the biomechanist is um works for athletics New Zealand so works with all the athletes but um, yeah, we actually have film that we get taken at the competitions and um, some of the key parameters for us, like you mentioned before, release angle, uh, release velocity, mm-hmm. um, also some step lengths for me um, are particular indicators as well. So um, this year has been really interesting. So um, I have a tendency to uh, drop the tail of my javelin. So uh, tilt my wrist and the javelin will fly through the air with its tail down and there's a huge amount of drag on that javelin. So I don't, in javelin chat, like javelin go, it would be that I don't throw through the point. And so that has been a key error this year. Um, and we've noticed that my arm velocity has been miles quicker, like, you know, like so much quicker than last year and then my PB throw. But it's my release angle that was letting me down. So we knew that if I just fixed my release angle and actually um, brought that down with that, like better arm velocity that uh, release velocity that the javelin should go further than my pb quite easily so um i mean it's it's all well and good to talk numbers and but you know you obviously got to get the right conditions and all those Mm. sorts of things as well but um yeah there are some really key parameters that we sort of um work around and so um it was actually funny you know i get these um biomech analysis printouts and it's got all this data on it and every time I get a new one from a competition I go home and I show Cam and I look at him and I just get really angry about the release angle you know and yeah. so the way when I when I when he dropped me off at the airport and and said see you later for the month he he just said now sort that bloody angle out would you <laughs> and, and then I was off off, off my, my way so it was quite funny he was um yeah he, he knows how much the angle means and that sort of thing as well so he's 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 well um well up to date with the jab chat, the javelin go, nice. what I need to be doing with the angle of my javelin. So um, it was great words of advice there from him. <laughs> I like that. And like, it's a lot of athletes, um, partners or husbands, wives, they, because they're immersed in it, they get all the lingo and they, yeah. get, they actually get to be quite good coaches themselves. I'm pretty sure if you gave him a high school <laughs> javelin throw, he probably did quite well. Um, so that's all <laughs> yeah. good. Right. So that the, and I'm just going to do a pitch here as well. New Zealand cricket, if you're yep. listening, the next time you have a celebrity cricket game, get Tori Peters into it because her outfield of throw is going to be fairly awesome. All right? That's what I'm oh, saying. Oh, look, I'm yeah. I'm absolutely wrapped that you've just made that call. I really am. because yeah, um, I'm betting yeah. that oh. being a netballer, you could probably catch a ball as well. So that's half yeah, the job not done. Not bad. Yeah, there you go. Yep, yeah, Pretty half the job. Hand-eye yep. coordination's not too bad, yeah. No, all right. Pretty good. Nice work. Okay, so the average punter's got some idea 
what's the drug mm-hmm. testing regime look like for you? Is it still um, as degrading as it used to be? I know a fair few professional athletes who get drug tested and they're always talking about, you know, can't do anything behind a closed door because people was beginning to take bladders into, into uh <laughs> to toilets and cheat that way and everything yeah. else. So is it fairly still degrading and how often do you get tested? Um, so I'm not in the whereabouts system. So I don't have people showing up on my doorstep at random times of the of the morning and night um, to do that. So I get tested. Um, so the tests are done, random tests at competitions. So that's the only time I really get tested. Um, and so they're actually pretty good. Like I don't actually have an issue with doing it. Um, Nowadays, yeah, yes, they come along, they tell you you're going to get drug tested, they'll provide some hydration for you. And then, yeah, you just pee in a cup with the door open um, for yeah. them to just stand there and watch so that you don't, yeah, obviously have any other sort of liquid that you're filling up that cup with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a pretty straightforward process. And I think um, it's, it's such a good system to be able to, you know, like make sure everyone is playing the game fairly and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm just sort of, I've, I think I've been tested only once this season. Yeah. Um, and just because it is random, they sort of um, just pick whoever. So, yeah, just once this season for me. Yeah, that's all right. Okay, now you, a couple of years back, you took part in something called Nitro Athletics, right? Um, yeah. Where you, to, where you got to see Usain Bolt run. Um, but for the javelin, what they did was they basically tried to get to land a javelin in a target. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. There was a great picture of you with a shoe and a javelin through the shoe, oh. right? Now, question. Huh? Did you really land the shoe or was it just a publicity shot? No, I've got a video. I've got oh, a nice. video of that right. of that exact throw and it was unbelievable. So it was really strange that season. Yeah, obviously with Nitro going ahead and they announced it being for accuracy. It was quite bizarre. All of a sudden at training, I started always hitting my javelins, you know, so we throw one and then we grab another one and then throw that. And so we do about three usually and then walk out and grab all three and come back. Um, and anyway, I started hitting my javelins quite often and getting quite accurate. And sometimes when we do a good throw, we, you know, put a marker out there and um, just to see sort of, we can get a measure after the, after the training session. And I'd, we were in Wanaka training actually, and um, just on this grass field at Mount Aspiring College there. And I thought, oh, like that was a pretty decent throw. Like I wonder what that'd be. So I put my, went, took my shoe out there. And the very next throw, threw the javelin, and I sort of watched it for ages, and I was like, oh, that looks like it's going to be like exactly the same sort of thing. And sure enough, went straight through my shoe, and we couldn't believe it. Like, the video is quite funny. Like, I, I celebrate like I've just won the lotto. Nice. And well, you, you get, have, yeah. Then, yeah, and then I get over there and realize it's actually impaled straight through my shoe, like completely through, and now I'm down a pair of shoes. So, um, <laughs> I mean, like, the celebrations are – they stopped pretty quickly after that but um and we actually stopped stopped using shoes as markers pretty quickly after that yeah. too so yeah but it was it was very it was actually very strange because um the accuracy thing um yeah it was a, a bit of a strange concept but obviously they had to sort of do a bit of a take on on the javelin event because they'd done stuff with all the others but it was a it was an awesome competition there was nothing nothing like an athletics meet I felt like I was more like in a nightclub um yeah. I was on the javelin runway and there was a stage beside me that had a DJ and dancers. And then on the right-hand side of me, there was a mechanical bull and, and people riding a mechanical bull. And then at the end of the runway, we had flames flying up. You know, it was just yeah. like, it was the most outrageous thing, but it was just such good fun. If it works for you, that's all good. That's, I mean, yeah. that's awesome. No worries. So it's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay. So do you worry long-term 
um, about the effects of javelin throwing on your shoulder because you've obviously got a diploma in massage. And the only yeah. thing I can relate it to, because I think you're about the second javelin thrower I actually sort of can have a conversation with, is Major League yeah. Baseball pitchers who very often, as they get older, their shoulder starts popping out or, you know, the elbow starts talking on them and that type of stuff. Do you worry about it or are you just getting on with it? Um, I guess like I do think, well, we always, I'm always thinking of, you know, you've only got one body, so you've got to look yeah. after it. And I think like I've had a few, few injuries now. And, and so, um, yeah, it's been one thing that I've just been a little bit more conscious about. If I do get a bit sore, it's like, okay, okay, we need to see what this is straight away and whether, you know, we can prevent this from being something that's going to affect me long-term. Um, so yeah, it is something I worry, uh, well, I, th- I think about, it's something yeah. I, th- I think about, but for a brief second, it's, it's not something I want to no. dwell on and, yeah. and worry about, I guess as such. But, um, the thing is, is that like javelin, like I said earlier, you know, we're putting our bodies in very unusual positions at extreme force. Um, and the body's gonna, gonna wear down. It's definitely going to wear down. Um, and I think, you know, by the time I'm 60, I will probably, be asking myself why I decided to throw javelins, but um, hey, you're still you know, winning the veterans competition, so don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, but but at the end of the day, I think you know if I've you know achieved the goals that I have and and that sort of thing, then you know, hey, it's all, all worth it, right? Yeah, not exactly right. Okay, so two last two questions for you. Uh, this one from our good friend Dame Valerie Adams, right? I texted her earlier <laughs> on. And I said, got a question? She's like, yeah, I have actually, yeah. Do you regret anything from this season? Was her question. Um, yes, I regret starting to compete so early on in the season. Um, but having said that, I didn't. I didn't know I'd be able to get to Australia. Yeah. So. I did start competing early because I didn't think I'd get to get to Australia. But now that I've, you know, been in Australia, I think, oh man, I wish I'd just, you know, kept training throughout January and, and a bit more of February and, and look to, to come out for the season a little bit later in the piece. Um, yeah, that would probably be my, my only regret for the season. Yeah, right. We won't argue with a dame yeah. either. We'll just let her carry on. And she's not a dame. She's a princess. You can tell her I told her, told her that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, so final yeah. question, and we always do it on the Cappuccino podcast, is this. It's the day yeah. of your eulogy, but you're lying in oh, your casket. Hell. Yeah, hang on. You're lying in your casket, and you can actually hear what people are saying about Tory Peters. What would you like them to say about Tory? Ooh, oh, that's a wow. Big one, it? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um. You know there'll be video footage of you throwing your javelin there, so don't worry about it. So that's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. So obviously, yeah, yeah, good javelin throw. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, gosh, um, well, I'd love to. I'd love to think that people um, would have thought that I was a, a great person and a, and a really caring, um, caring friend, um, family member, you know, partner, wife, that sort of thing. Um, but I'd love to hear that, um, yeah, that people always thought um, I was able to, you know, help, help be there when they needed help and that sort of thing as well. I always think that it's really important to um, be there for your friends no matter what, you know, the sort of circumstances are and things like that and always be really supportive of the people that you love and that are in your life. So, um, yeah, that would, that would probably be be the main one is that I was really loving and supporting towards 
um, everyone, yeah, that was in my life. Nice. Okay, so obviously you have a huge amount of supporters that help you out. You've spoken about your partner, your parents, and everybody else. Um, all athletes have sponsors. So here's your chance. Mention your sponsors, would you? Okay, so um, my main sponsor would be the Matera Licensing Trust down in Gore. They have supported me r- right from the very beginning. And um, it's a it's a pretty cool, um, you know, trust where the money sort of comes from the community. So it's essentially as though the whole of the Gore community is supporting me. So the whole of the Gore community pretty much is my sponsor, which is a pretty cool nice. thing. And, That's cool. Um, yeah, I love to be the Gore girl and, and try to put Gore on the map. So um, a huge shout out to them for, for continuing to sponsor me. Uh, and um, I have a, 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 a good little gig with, um, with Pix Peanut Butter. They always keep me, keep me well-fueled, which is awesome. Um, yep. I can't think how much money I would have spent on, on peanut butter at the rate I go through it. Um, you know, it's spread on toast, really, um, eaten by the spoon often. Um, so you can imagine I get through a tub of that pretty quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so they, like those guys look after me pretty well with supplementation. I actually have um, some sponsorship from sports fuel. So, Portfield yes, Cambridge, your, big shout out from them. Seen your videos, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they're keeping the guns growing, so it's yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they've recently come on board with me, which has been awesome, and and, and it's definitely helped with my recovery and also my training. So I, yeah. I have to be honest, I saw your sports fuel video, and I was like, man, I got to remember to wear long sleeves when I'm around Tory because your guns <laughs> are much bigger than mine are. So that's all good. Um, and finally, uh, if there's nobody else, that's it. That's uh, no, I think yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah. So if we want to follow you on social media, uh, yeah. What's your Instagram mantra? Do you know? So Instagram handle, yeah. I just need to double check it because there's an underscore in there, but it always throws people off. Um, Tori underscore Peters sixty is my Instagram handle. So get around it, you know. Follow yep. along. Yeah. Uh, you can you can know see pictures of me eating muffin mix while I'm in some normal tech boots yeah and um some pretty quirky training um I guess yeah. some would say not wrong um, and you're also on Facebook as well aren't you yeah Facebook is Tori Peters hyphen New Zealand Javelin so that's my athlete page and that's the one they usually keep everyone up to date with who don't have Instagram um and yeah pretty good if people you know if you ask want to ask me questions and things on the social media platforms go for it I'm pretty open to sharing so Yep. Um, yeah. And there you go, Tori Peters. You have just survived your Cappuccino podcast. Well done, you. Phew. Thank there, there you. you. Good no <laughs> Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.